0: And welcome to Awesome Etiquette.
1: Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
0: On today's show, we take your questions on coffee shop meetup strategies, debating dinner out on us, how to respond to unintentionally rude exclamations, and how to step in and organize as an in-law, and finally, whether or not to use staggered party start times to manage a guest list.
1: Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment that is the final installment from our Be Better at Parties New York Times article.
0: For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about couples asking for help during baby visits.
1: All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post.
0: And I'm Dan Post Senning.
1: Let's just start the show off with a big thank you to our listeners. You guys do so much by sending in questions, giving us your awesome etiquette salutes, which we always need more of, by the way, and sending us your feedback, really participating in the conversation. And honestly, the sharing of how this show impacts your lives, I think, is one of the things I am most grateful for. What about you, Dan?
0: The conversation that we get to have with An audience that is engaged and curious and thoughtful and considerate, respectful, and honest is a delight. It's one of the things that fuels me here at the Emily Post Institute. And you're right. Thank you is due. It is in order. It is that time. We've done it before. And you will hear us do it again because we appreciate this show so much and we appreciate all of you.
1: Among all of the wonderful submissions that we get, we often get requests for how can I support the show more? And there are a lot of different ways to do that. And the first way we want to tell you about doesn't even require a donation or a whole lot of effort on your part. (laughs) Dan, what's one of the first ways that we can help grow this show in this audience?
0: The tell a friend campaign is what I call it in my mind. And it could be family, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker. but we hear from so many people that they heard about Awesome Etiquette from someone they know and that it got them started listening to the show and they really enjoyed discovering it. And we've heard that enough times that it reminded me to encourage everyone once again to share Awesome Etiquette. If this is something that you enjoy, if it's a conversation that you find lightens your day or provides a little insight or is just an appropriate distraction – It really is something that we appreciate you sharing with people that you think might like the show.
1: I always think of when I read the questions that come in and they always start with, you know, thank you so much. Your podcast has made such a difference in my I feel like a nicer person. I pay more attention to the people around me. And I just keep picturing the more I hear those messages that these people somehow are going to cross paths with each other. And, that you know, maybe it's at the coffee shop and it's that person holding the door. They might be another awesome etiquette fan. And. The more we grow this audience, the more nice people you have a chance of running into in your day. I'm just saying, it's possible. What if we doubled your chances? What if our goal was to double our audience size so that you had twice the chance of running into happy, friendly, kind, considerate, honest people in the world? I mean, does that sound like a mission or does that sound like a mission?
0: I'm looking for that tipping point, <laughs> that that tipping point of consideration, respect, and honesty where you start to feel those ripples coming back. We also should offer a little bit of a heads up. Yes. This show is fortunate to get support from a number of advertisers, and we have more advertisers interested in Awesome Etiquette and coming to the table over the next couple months. And we thought it was important to acknowledge and... Let all of you in on the fact that we are excited about that. That is very good for the show. It helps us do things that we want to do here.
1: Exactly. As a show, we need to grow. And to do that, we do need financial support. It is really crucial to this show growing, to us being able to research more topics, get more awesome content out there for you, and have this show serve both you and the people that you don't know better. It really does help us out. And traditionally, in the end of the year is the time when a lot of uh, sponsors will test out shows. Um, And so we are running a few tests over the next couple of months. So you are going to hear our ads increase. Don't fret. We still have our sustaining member website and our ad-free version of the show. It is an option, but you can also support Awesome Etiquette by actually engaging with our sponsors, trying out something like a HelloFresh or a Care of Service or Simply Contacts. There are lots of ways that you can support the show, and this is one of them. So we've got the Telefriend campaign. We've got just the fact that advertisers are, are interested in helping us out a little bit in that department. And you can also help us out with our advertisers by choosing the topics and the products that work for you and trying to engage with them and seeing if they enhance your life.
0: And the most direct way that you can support Awesome Etiquette is by becoming a sustaining member. And you can do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com and signing up to make a monthly contribution. You get access to an ads-free version of the show plus extra content. There's an extra question posted every week. And... We're, we're working
1: on more we're content. We're making an effort on building out <laughs> that
0: extra content library. The sustaining member website is our real hope for the future of this show and for really being a place where a larger community can grow around the Awesome Etiquette podcast. There is a very low level entry level. There is a $2 a month donation level that I really hope makes that that whole sustaining membership possible for a large number of people.
1: We also don't lock you in for a whole year or even six months. You could donate for one month if that made sense for you. We hope people will become sustaining members and donate for more than a month, but try it out. See if it's a space that feels right to you. Whether it's sponsors or whether it is a sustaining membership or whether it's telling a friend or it's simply writing us your feedback, we are so grateful for all of your support. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this every week and to do it for, I think, four years now, which is pretty incredible.
0: (laughs) We're certainly looking forward to spending the next four years with you. Hopefully, maybe even beyond that, Lizzie Post and I both (laughs) love what we do and hope to be here for a long, long time.
1: So without further ado, let's get to this show. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Sustaining members, remember to please put sustaining member in your subject line, and we will answer your question over on the sustaining member website. You can also leave us a voicemail or text message at 802 858 KIND, that's 802 858 5463, or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show.
0: We begin our show today with a question about coffee shop strategy. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I just listened to your podcast on coffee debt etiquette, and it reminded me of another coffee-related question. Social or business interactions often involve casually meeting for coffee. If I arrive first, am I supposed to get myself a coffee and sit down? Or am I supposed to wait until my company arrives, then join them in line to order? And what if I don't want coffee at all? Is it appropriate just to bring or buy water? I have the same question about ordering cocktails. When meeting a friend or a date for drinks, is it appropriate to have a seat at the bar and order a drink before a date arrives? Thank you. Best regards, Catherine.
1: I like the fact that we have two different scenarios to work with here, but I would say for the first one where it's it's a coffee meetup and it's maybe a business or social, it would depend on the circumstance for me. It would depend on whether or not I was invited or whether I did the inviting. It would depend on whether I had offered to treat everyone or if it was a circumstance where maybe I'm meeting with someone who's going to be treating me. So for me, if someone else is treating me, I will wait for them before I I sit down or before I go and make an order. Sometimes if it's really crowded and I know it would be smart for me to grab the table, I'll grab the table first and then wait for the person there, often sending that text message that says, Hey, I grabbed a table by the window. Like, I'll wait to order till you get here, or something like that. If I'm communicating with the person, if we're in contact, if this isn't business, I'll probably do the thing our our friends from the other week were doing, which was call and say, Hey, I'm here. Do you want me to place the order now? Do you know what you'd like? Something like that. The thing I wouldn't do is I wouldn't bring a bottle of water into a coffee shop and drink it there, because that is really you just using their table and not really contribute anything to the establishment that you're there. And I know coffee shops do have a kind of epidemic problem with people coming and just setting up camp and really only ordering one cup of coffee, but hanging out all day long. So for the coffee, that's what I'd be thinking. But help me parse it out, cuz jump in here.
0: You're in my brain. Yeah, that is pretty much everything I was planning to say. (laughs) No, No, it completely depends. There isn't a set etiquette here. But you started to track through all of the considerations that were the major considerations for me as well. The host guest relationship. How, how formal? Is it an important new client? I might wait. I might really make an effort to engage oh, yeah. them right from the start, spend that whole time with them. If it's an old friend and acquaintance, I'm meeting you at a coffee shop. We don't necessarily have to spend that time in the line together to build the relationship or that's not an an opportunity to do that in the same way.
1: Oh, wow. You're even looking at the line as like an
0: opportunity. (laughs) Maybe. All all the ins and outs. But I also thought like you did, does it make more sense to get a table? Is it a busy place? Do you want to get through the line and get a table? Do you want to are you there 15 or 20 minutes early? Do you want to get your laptop out and go over your notes for a minute before they arrive? Right. That was the situation I found myself in a week ago. I was meeting a client before a seminar early in the morning and I was there a good 20 minutes early. I wasn't – it didn't make sense yeah. to wait. But it also made sense to get up, go greet that person, introduce myself when they arrived to to get up out of my table and to go say hi. Yeah. Um, not to just sort of awkwardly watch each other from <laughs> – Across the, the shop. So I think you were thinking about a number of the things. And and you, you even got to the water.
1: Yeah. The dump, which yeah.
0: I, I was saying, it's, I think it's OK to drink anything you want. Have a tea. Have a water. Have a coffee. Oh, yeah. Order whatever you'd like. But don't bring that bottle in from outside. Probably not. Yeah. And I even sort of said Danish, question mark. <laughs> egg, totally. egg and cheese sandwich, question mark. Maybe, maybe not. It, oftentimes you want to kind of match your host or you don't want to overshoot a mark with a guest so i might stay away from the food if we'd said coffee if i thought it was going to be quicker yeah just 10 minutes 15 minutes or i thought it was going to be a mess yeah what about the date
1: okay social or date cuz it's social or date for social i'd grab a drink no problem i'd feel comfortable going up to the bar or being seated at my table and even ordering a drink from my server for a date i might wait or I might actually grab a drink at the bar or order that drink at the table. I feel like it's a little bit like getting started before the other person gets there. But there are times where the hostess like really does want to see you right now. Or or you just say yes because you know, you're know you in the moment and you don't think about it. And then you're sitting at a table completely empty-handed. Um, maybe they bring over a glass of water. I'll often start with that. I usually am just drinking water anyway. <laughs> so that kind of can create that buzz. Before you actually end up placing an order, especially because sometimes you've got the whole issue of who's hosting this date. And, you know, if you haven't already indicated that you're going to, you know, pay your own way or something like that, then I might not want to order a cocktail or an expensive glass of wine if I don't yet kind of know what the person I'm going on a date with is going to be ordering. And like you said, you don't have to always match, but it's, the matching thing kind of becomes a nicety that happens. I don't want people to think it's a straight up etiquette rule. That is not what we're saying here. But it, it makes kind of sense to think about it first. And without the other person there, you can't really judge or gauge or figure that one out at all.
0: Maybe we're just going to have one drink here and then take a walk down Church Street or go somewhere else or maybe we're going to sit here for a little while. You You just just don't don't know. know. I'm noticing a parallel between these two situations where as the formality escalates, you want to hold yourself more accountable to that other person.
1: Yes. I I like that thought because.
0: And maybe we're saying that a a first date or an early date with someone who you're kind of interested in might sort of raise the stakes in the same way a new client or a boss or someone that you don't work with as regularly might in that coffee shop or coffee lunch scenario. Totally. Among friends, among people where the relationship is more informal and more casual because there aren't really concrete rules, I think practicality starts to be that driving concern. and. I think, clear communication around that practicality. I was sitting here. A table opened up. I thought I'd grab it when they arrive. Yep. Just acknowledges the, no, I didn't wait for you because this opportunity presented itself.
1: (laughs) No, totally, totally. Catherine, thank you for giving us a fun topic to dive a little bit deeper into in a few different scenarios. That was awesome. We hope you have a wonderful time meeting up with friends for coffee and drinks and with business associates and with dates.
2: Yes, we North Americans really do like coffee. We drink around 120 billion cups a year. After all, drinking coffee is one of life's pleasures. A pleasure that cannot be duplicated by any other beverage.
1: This question is titled Dinner Out on Us. Maybe. Kind of. Sort of. Hell. Probably. <laughs> Hi, Lizzie and Dan. As a longtime listener, not only do I appreciate your good advice, I frequently try to guess what you will say before you answer. This is a game, by the way. Like, I'm I'm waiting to hear, like, when this starts getting bet on in different ways. But this is a game for a lot of our listeners. Our listener continues, I'm getting better at anticipating your suggestions, but recently I found myself in a bit of a situation, and when I asked myself, what would you advise me to do, I wasn't sure, so I thought I'd write and ask. Several weeks ago, a good friend invited my husband and I and two other couples to join him and his wife for a night at the symphony. We all responded yes to this generous offer, and my husband and I asked the group to join us for a pre-concert dinner at a downtown restaurant, Our Treat. The group has been friends for years. We trade off hosting the other couples for dinner and have gone on several trips together. After everyone responded yes to our dinner invitation, one couple had to drop <clears throat> one couple had to drop out and we planned to go ahead without them. A few days before the concert, the friend who invited us to the concert called and said he had invited another couple to fill in for the couple who had dropped out. The rest of the group have never met this couple, so my friend suggested we still meet for dinner, but that we each pay our own checks. I said something like, no, no, it's fine, your friends are joining us, we are happy to treat. And he responded that it wasn't fair for my husband and I to treat a couple we don't know. We moved on to another subject before I could respond. As soon as I hung up, I felt conflicted about this situation. Although my friend felt that it was fine for my husband and I to withdraw our dinner invitation to the group, I felt it's impolite to extend a dinner invitation to our friends and then change our minds. After all, the other couples are expecting to be treated— I'd feel awkward reneging after extending the invitation to them. I would like to stick to our original invitation and include the couple we don't know. My husband agrees. If it matters, we are financially capable of picking up this tab and are happy to do so. What do you think, Lizzie and Dan? Before we're seated, should we tell the server to give us the check and then hope it doesn't cause a kerfuffle at the table? Should I fill everyone in on the new development and reassure them it won't change our original invitation? How would I even word that? Should we take our friend's advice and see if the other couple offers to pitch in? Should I call our friend back and tell them we'd like to treat everyone, including his friends? Is there some other way to handle this that I haven't thought of? Help! Leanne, Omaha, Nebraska. Shout out to Omaha! Sorry, I love Omaha from my
0: my Blunk family who lives out there. (laughs) So. Imagine yourself in Omaha, Nebraska. What do you do here? I
1: know. I love this question. It's so thoughtful. It's coming from all the good places of we issued an invitation. This is not a a nuisance to us. This isn't an awkwardness to us. Please let us treat. I found this interesting because there's kind of two hosts going on for this big night out for a group of friends that – Originally, all knew each other, and now there 's a newbie group of friends in there but we 've got the host who 's bringing everyone to the symphony, and the host who 's taking care of dinner and so i don 't think it 's wrong for our host who is bringing everyone to the symphony to have subbed in another couple i 'm wondering if maybe he could have cleared it with the couple who 's inviting everyone to dinner first because at this point you 're kind of co hosts for the evening, and I think that would have been a really good go to but we're at the point where they've had this conversation and host A, will call our couple writing in Leah and host B, host A has already said, oh, no, 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 we can't burden you with this. You don't even know this, people. That would be ridiculous. So you can hear thoughtfulness on that host's part. You can also hear a bit of the um, nerves or concern that you don't know this person, so I would feel uncomfortable for you paying for them because I'm the one bringing them into the folds here. We kind of need to listen to each other, don't you think?
0: (laughs) And there needs to be some clear communication.
1: Yes. (laughs) I'm
0: really hoping that the listening actually went pretty well here. Sounds like it did. That both sides have heard each other and heard each other's concerns. As you pointed out, this is a co-hosting situation, and I'm appreciative that host A was – Thinking about acknowledging that this is a bit of an imposition and I'm appreciating that Leanne, host B, is thinking about how – changing your invitation is kind of awkward and doesn't just want to immediately accept that.
1: Right, because there is another couple that's not involved in any of the planning of any of this. Or
0: a couple couples. Who's been
1: offered to be treated. And then there's a couple that's being invited into an already planned event and they're trying to figure out how to manage that. So you're right.
0: Yeah. And that response of, boy, I, I... I'm hearing you, but I'm not entirely sure that's the way I want to go. I'm really hoping that that was heard yeah, and that host A is really concerned about not wanting to impose. And that's where the conflict emerges. What I would love to see happen is a final agreement between yeah. the two hosts. That It sounds like both sides got to do the etiquette-appropriate thing of explaining – Boy, this is what I'd like. This is what I like. Or this was my thought, or this was my suggestion. If it was more of an ask than a tell, which you sort of suggested is the role of that host who's initiating the change. Yeah. I think at this point, it's definitely worth. A quick call back to clarify.
1: I think so too.
0: And it seems like oh, that's extending this whole conversation. It's extending the awkwardness. But I also think it's the simplest thing because I think the easy solution here is to keep that initial invite. As I think it is. so too.
1: I'm really glad to hear you say that because the more we've delved into this question, I think about this couple that we we kind of don't know much about and that's really just being treated to both the symphony and the dinner from the get go. And I also think of of the new couple coming in being invited to an already planned event. And I think keeping the plans the same is the right way to go. And Symphony A host is also already doing something awesome by inviting everyone to the symphony, his treats, so I feel like it's it's okay for another couple to help and, and treat a little bit, too, and I, I, just, I feel like it would be all right, Leanne, if you called and said, you know, you're so generous bringing us all to the symphony. We really would love to accommodate and get to know your friends. This is going to be a really fun night. Let's just stick with the plan we have. It's no skin off our backs, no nothing, no worry for us at all, and we'd be delighted to get the opportunity to do it. And I think that that kind of a tone will help friend A feel like, oh, okay, I'm hearing you.
0: You mentioned the other thought that I was having, which is that it's a treat to meet new people. Yes. That it's not always a burden. Sometimes that can be. The most interesting part of a night, although this sounds like a really fun night. I also just want to applaud everyone for (laughs) dinner out in a theater and, and a nice big group gathering. It sounds like it'll be so much fun.
1: Leanne, have a wonderful time.
0: We call this way of settling a dispute a compromise. That's certainly more fun than disputing over it, isn't it?
1: Our next question is titled, feeling cheeky?
0: Hello, I am a 31-year-old woman. When I see people I have not seen in a long time, more often than not they say, Oh my God, I just can't believe you are not married. They are just in shock. I find it annoying and it hurts my feelings. What would be a proper response? Annoyed in Cali.
1: I. So the title of this came because I feel cheeky when I hear this question come my way all the
0: time. <laughs> and so... I was curious about that. <laughs> I'm
1: going to give gutsy sample language and I'm going to give you maybe my unfiltered self or my half-filtered self, I would say. But I, I the, the number of times that this question comes up and it is not um, the end goal of every life to be married or to bear children or to have certain career uh, achievements, Made. And so when you respond to someone like this with this, oh my gosh, I just can't believe you're not married. It's, you have, that's, um, would you like me to help you deal with that? Um, what can I do? Yep, that's me. Unbelievable or, you know, surprising. I know. But how are you and the kids? Like, what? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I can't I can't tell you how many things run through my head when someone says that to me and I'm just like it's pretty unbelievable, isn't
0: it <laughs> you've, you've got one of my favorite ones you've got noted out is I can, but I've lived it so it kind of makes sense to me.
1: Oh, so like they say I can't believe it and I'm like, I can because I've lived it so it makes sense to me but you know you wrestle with it for a bit Ten years of therapy might help <laughs> like
0: your good humor Sorry. actually makes <laughs> these cheeky answers quite palatable I, they, they they read tougher on the page when I was reading them oh, they, than yeah, when no, I hear them come out of your mouth like
1: we can never put them... but it's it's there's this thing that happens when a rude question comes your way or an un. Unin... here's the other thing I really want to put this out there this is unintentional rudeness this is the moment where we as the other person should be gracious and realize that people just aren't trying to ask us something nefarious or awful or mean or put us down or even connect marriage to, like, the high-end-all-be-all achievement in life. But for someone who lives the other side of it, you, you feel that way. And we see this happen across the board in all kinds of differences between humans in life. And intention is really where... intention is the thing that stops me from saying all these things in my head. And often my response that I, I feel like tips a little bit to serve me and mostly to serve them is, yeah, I know, me either. Like, yeah, I can't believe I'm not married either. Like, wow. Or, you know, I just say, I'm good with it, but how are you doing? And those two are the two that I go with that are kind of like... Okay, you I'm not going to take this moment to call you out on a on a rudeness that didn't mean to be rude at all in in the first place.
0: Thank you for making the effort to also (laughs) look for that place where it's not just unintentional, but maybe even it's intended as complimentary. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that in some ways the the best self response the self that's totally selfless isn't responding to rudeness with rudeness is looking for that perfect answer that acknowledges the complimentary intention yes and also is neutral enough in its reply that it indicates in some way that that complimentary intention although appreciated might not have landed the way it was intended i mean there's this like perfect it, sweet re- spot yeah. dosage of Yeah, that's kind of a funny question, but I hear where it's coming from and I'm not that bothered by it and I'm ready to move past it into the conversation that you're hoping will follow.
1: Which is just the chit chat and that sort of thing. The hard part with this is that... Our listener actually is hurt and annoyed and and slightly offended by these. And I just want to give you a big hug and say like I'm in it too. <laughs> and it's it's not the easiest thing and you will have times in your life where you can talk to people about this, um where you know you can you can say things to friends and have those conversations about things that seem innocuous but really end up being hurtful, those are the times where I try to kind of educate or help a friend see my perspective. But in a meeting at the grocery store with someone that you haven't seen in three years, it's not the time. It's—it's. It's, I don't think it's the time to try to teach that lesson. It's probably not the relationship to try to teach that lesson in. So I often take the etiquette hit in that department and just say, the, yeah, I know, it's crazy. Or, ah, oh, well, it's not like the storybooks say. Or you know, I'm really good without the marriage. (laughs) It's so it's one way. The other way that this does come to us, and please be careful of using it if if you are prone to saying things like this is, oh, you must be divorced, or oh, you must have kids. It's like no, I must really not. Like I'm, I'm (laughs) I'm not. That's not a must. (laughs) So thank you for thinking that I am probably attractive, smart, charming, um, caregiving enough to be someone who would be married or have children. But you're assuming a lot when you say I must be one of those things or be beyond one of those things if it's the divorced comment, which I always am like, really? That's your go-to starter line?
0: (laughs) There were some details here that I definitely want to Finish out on – but I I just have to acknowledge your awareness that this can happen across all kinds of difference. Oh, yeah. And sort of thinking about where are the appropriate – or the most strategic times and places to do the work to try to build across those differences and when are the times that are most productive to figure out quicker ways yeah. to build those bridges that maybe aren't as much about addressing the unintended rudeness and are more about making human connections. And I think that's – that is really difficult territory to navigate because there is that offense that's given, the hurt that comes from that offense. That's the definition of rudeness. It's something that causes emotional harm or distress, whether intentional or not. And figuring out how to work with that I think is A challenge for anyone. And I think if you're in the venue where you're not going to be responding to it necessarily, but you're going to take the hit, I think one of the ways that it can help process that is to take note yourself to say, there are going to be times where I'm going to be the instigator, where I'm going to do this in some form or another. someone
1: else. Yeah, exactly. And this
0: is that moment to say, I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try to learn. I'm going to try to be as aware as I can. Possibly can be. And I'm going to try to keep my antenna out so that if someone is reflecting back at me, what I'm reflecting back at someone right now, I'm able to hear it and respond intelligently. This seems like such a simple question. I know. And it's it's a funny question, but it's also a really serious question. I appreciate your feeling cheeky about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, guys. Annoyed in California. We hope that this helps at least a little commiseration, if not a perfect sample script for this every single time. Come up with a few that work for you that you feel comfortable saying that you can deliver in both very casual ways and also with a little bit of humor or, you know, even a more serious tone if, if it's that particular situation in which it calls for it. So feel confident with a varied answer.
2: By a better understanding of the emotional patterns of everyday life and by knowing how you respond to various stimuli, you can develop better control by eliminating the stimulus or by modifying the stimulus or by
0: modifying the response. Our next question is about the in-law stepping in.
1: Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Your podcast was recommended to me by a dear friend, and so far it has changed my life. See, this is what I'm talking about. People really write in with this stuff. I love the respect and kindness you both exude as you approach the complexities of New Age etiquette. Your responses are thoughtful and always appreciated. Thank you for positively impacting my world. Now, on to my question. I am recently married and to a wonderful man, I might add. His family is much bigger than mine, and oftentimes there's extended discussion on the details of any plan made. I am an only child, so my family discussions tend to be a little less complex. Oftentimes in my family, I am the one leading the conversation, planning the activities and coordinating the details. My husband is number two in line and has an older brother and two younger siblings. Naturally, my tendencies to lead the charge and suggest activities bleed over in how I approach my in-laws. But I'm wondering if I need to be mindful of my approach. While I might have the best intentions, could the initiative I take on planning family events rub the other siblings or in-laws the wrong way? Recently, my mother-in-law announced that she would be visiting from out of town. Her birthday happens to be two weeks after her trip to visit us all. Side note, she is a very thoughtful person when it comes to celebrating everyone's birthday. She makes a point of setting aside an evening to celebrate when we are all together. I would like to reciprocate that thoughtfulness. No one in my husband's family suggested or offered to do anything to celebrate her birthday. So I sent a text and offered to host cake and ice cream at our house. As I was suggesting this to the siblings, I began feeling sheepish. Is it my place to be suggesting a birthday party for their mother? Is it the responsibility of her family to plan these types of events? I don't want to offend anyone, especially since I am just an in-law. I think it would be inconsiderate if a party wasn't thrown at all. But I'm wondering if I should tread lightly when it comes to suggesting something for his family and their special occasions. Are there etiquette rules on how much I should involve myself with their family plans, or in this case a lack thereof? Since I don't have any experience with sibling hierarchy, is there some unwritten rule about coordinating with the eldest? Should these types of plans or suggestions come solely from my husband? I mean well, and I love celebrating other people's special moments and accomplishments, but I'd like to do it appropriately as to not ruffle any feathers. Thank you for providing me with some direction and how to be thoughtful and respectful in law. Hugs, Anna
0: from Colorado. Anna from Colorado, thank you for your question. You sound so socially intelligent to me. I almost want to say whatever choice you make, it's going to be fine.
1: I know. I'm like, in-laws stepping in is okay.
0: You are part of this family. This is your family now too. And at the same time, the awareness that there are long-established sibling relationships and that that mother-child relationship is so close and so personal, that even just the forethought that – there could be some hard feelings if the perception started to be that they weren't taking care of this and that you were stepping in where there was some sort of lack or absence, that even just that level of forethought and awareness, I think, helps you to avoid that impression. You ask if there is a sibling hierarchy, a concern about talking to the eldest. I smiled when I heard this come out. And Lizzie thinks that I smile because I'm the eldest, I'm and I should laughing. be consulted. I'm because
1: like, I'm the youngest, and so I'm la- I'm dying to hear what you say. What?
0: It's something to be aware of, but it's not a social concern in the same way that respecting a boss is a social concern. A sibling hierarchy does not have that kind of authority relationship to it. I can it.
1: hear my other grandmother, not our post-grandmother, rolling over in her grave right now. She was the oldest of many. She. Doted on my mother for being the oldest of many. Doted on my sister for being the oldest graduate. I mean, it's a thing for some people and you're right to be aware of it. But I like where you're going with this because that it doesn't have to be the end all be all.
0: If there's a question in your mind, I think you can always enlist your husband's aid. I was going to say communicate through your husband, but I really like the idea of involving him in the process. If he has a special or close relationship with his siblings, Mm -hmm. it might be easier for him to make that reach out or that offer or extend that invitation it might not be if Pooja were to ask me to yeah contact... no i
1: love when pooja contacts me about planning stuff for the family just so you know it's awesome she's so on it it's so easy and she's a part of the family, so I feel I'm so happy she does it. Like,
0: And so am it's I. It's a treat.
1: It's a treat. It's a real treat. <laughs>
0: so there's a very good chance that's the way all of this will be received. Yeah. The one other question that comes to my mind is for a weekend like this where other things are going on, yep. oftentimes there are slots. Yep. <laughs> there are a certain number of available times and meals. I know that when we're visiting Pooja's family, people jockey and negotiate for, <laughs> I get the Saturday dinner, I get the Sunday brunch, I get the Sunday midday no, meal. You I Sunday get Sunday the... midday
1: last time. I get it this time.
0: <laughs> but your daughter got the Sunday brunch so your Son sister doesn't the get the this So here. one of my... Th- 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 there's they, too
1: many from this family contributing. <laughs> they re-
0: And there's an effort made to spread it out yep. to make sure everyone is given an opportunity to host that... All of the people that aren't hosting have opportunities to contribute and to participate. So definitely if there's that sort of politics, and politics in the best sense of the word, families really thinking about each other and trying to keep a a fair playing field and equitable relationships or just the best hosting situations open and available, definitely participate in that. Let that factor into your planning. But don't let it stop you from offering to host a birthday party for a woman who sounds like she really deserves and would appreciate it.
1: And I think that the how matters here, that how you do it is, you know, it's one thing in your own family to jump in, take charge. You're that leader. You're that person who does that. Your parents often just let it fall to you because it's, fun and easier um, i would imagine but in this case when you're when you're feeling a little timid about being the in-law who's reaching out to schedule things and don't want it to feel to make others feel badly for not having scheduled anything yet for mom I think that asking about whether or not it's something we'd like to do is a good idea rather than saying we're gonna host this because no one else has stepped up and anna does not sound like that is her tone in any way shape or form. But for those of you out there who might be in that vein, like not the tone to go for. Instead, you might say something like, let's say there's a sister in the family who, if you weren't a member of this family, she's the one that typically coordinates. Then you might say, you know, hey, Kelly, I hadn't heard of anything yet for your mom's birthday and was wondering if it'd be helpful if we offered to have like cake and ice cream one of the afternoons that she's here. You're not saying it has to be this. It has to be this time. It has to be in. In this way you're simply posing the question of do we want to do something like that and if we did would it be easy if we hosted it and someone else could speak up oh my gosh we should do something like that but no let's go to her favorite restaurant instead or oh that's great but why don't we do it at our house since she's staying there like it there's lots of ways for that to then just be
0: an, a moldable suggestion kelly says oh megan was thinking or dan was thinking about having a cake after dinner on friday night yeah it, 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 there is something that might already kind of be a nascent idea in someone's mind and this starts to open that discussion up and allow everyone to participate. Or they might say, that is a great idea. Would you please do that? It would be so (laughs) nice of you.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Anna, we think your heart's in the right place and with a little bit of extra communication, you and your family, your in-laws, are going to have a fabulous time celebrating mom together. My, that was fun, wasn't it? Doing things together is fun. It can be in your family, too.
0: Our next question stumped the panel, and it's about staggered arrival times. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you for all of your always helpful advice. I have a holiday party etiquette question. My husband and I have a dilemma related to the Christmas open house party we are planning. We have way too many people we want to invite and can't seem to cut down our guest list. The solution we have come up with is to put staggered arrival times on invitations. So, for example, one group of guests would receive invitations that say the party is from 2 to 4, while another group would receive invitations that say the party is from 3 to 5. We're not planning to kick anybody out at a set time. We just want to try to avoid the possibility of 50 people showing up at once. Is providing our guests staggered arrival times acceptable, or would that be considered rude? Thanks so much. Lucy.
1: Lucy, thank you for asking this question. My notes on it are, let's debate this one because I have no idea what I really think as of yet. It's risky, but interesting. And Dan wrote, what would you do if everyone stays? Guests talk to each other. <laughs> like, what? the awful thing would just be that you'd have a great party going on, right?
0: It would, or, or would it become a total disaster if like, everyone <laughs> just stayed could you accommodate it?
1: That's what I'm thinking is like my, my thought is the first question of party planning is how many people can your environment like handle? Like I th- I was laughing the other night I had. My old roommate's over for dinner, and there were the three of us there, and I had hesitated inviting someone else because, quite frankly, like three people in my living room because I don't have a dining room, that's about all you can fit around the coffee table for dinner. And so it's like we were maxed out at three, and I was like, there's a reason I don't throw very many parties, or at least I don't in the winter when you're inside and you're in that smaller space. But I was trying to think, okay, so, yeah, you do want to invite everyone, Staggered times, I think is it's strange to me. I'm just going to say it. Like, I'll, I'll put it out there. It's a little odd. It's like, so were you invited to party A with this group or party B with this group? And How that do you was divide the guest the talking guest to
0: each other question like, I was wondering I, about.
1: Then I was like, well, so even if you stagger it, people are going to overlap. So you could end up with the overlapping time being where you have too many guests in your house. And then I'm hearing our listener, Lucy, that she doesn't want to to cut anything. And so what... ah.
0: So there's a plus side of this idea for me. Okay. And I want to go to that place that says, okay, this is an interesting creative idea.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Open house parties are open house parties. People come and go. If I got an invitation to come to an open house party that had a two-hour window... I being the sometimes antisocial person that I am, and thinking you would love it, and I'm thinking I'm probably going (laughs) to stay about an hour.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, you would. Dan would look at this as permission to be like very limitedly social. Yeah,
0: to come, enjoy, say hi, touch base with a few people, and your
1: version sounds so much nicer.
0: (laughs) Proceed on with the day when I met my obligations, my social obligations as a guest. Not every guest is going to approach the party like that. So if you could count on that kind of engagement, I think this idea could really work. People could come and go. You could open your house up. You could think of yourself as being able to accommodate more people than you could if you were trying to sit everyone down around your dining room table. And that's kind of the idea for an open house party. It's a creative approach. I kind of like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. On the flip side, I put on my mother's hat, which is the look at the worst and best case. So the Mm -hmm. best case, everything goes great. Yeah. And it works really well. So that's a, a good plus. Let's look at that negative. What if everybody does come or stays and they're all there at the same time? Would it be a total disaster? Does it start to have 50 people packed into just one room? Is there a spillover, den, porch, dining room? Could you accommodate the worst case and the other worst case you kind of mentioned, which is what if guests are comparing invitations and what is the impression that creates? Could you own it if someone said, hey, I got a thing that said this and someone else got a thing that said this? What's the deal? And say, well, we just wanted to be sure to invite everybody. So we did a staggered. Approach. In fact, we even asked our favorite etiquette podcast about it and they were stumped and we thought we'd just try it.
1: So you're saying for both different types of solutions, the worst case scenarios are worst case, you end up with too many people in your house and physically it's like just it's really congested. Yep. And then other worst case, if you go the other route, because... In some ways, you're thinking the other route allows best case, Dan's only at a party for two hours. But worst case is you've now got people comparing invitations and, well, why was I invited to this one? Why was I invited to that? What happens best case you invite everybody?
0: Best case you invite everyone. More people get to come. You get to have everyone on that guest list that you want to have that you've said to yourself, we're having a really hard time paring this down. And, and we think we can accommodate it and we pull it off.
1: And we pull it off. Exactly. Like, best case is just it simply works and it's not overcrowded at any particular point. Or even if it is, you've got kind of, like you said, the spillover space to accommodate it. So best case scenario for the two invitations where, you know, you've, you're trying to, to manage the amount of people coming at a certain time is that it doesn't bother anybody, that they're is kind of the second party feels fresh and maybe even is a little bit underway because people from the first party there. I mean, we're looking at best case. For me, if I'm looking at this, I don't mean to put the pressure on my guests to just deal with it, but I'm going to go with inviting everybody to one party because I'm not going to want to deal with the worst case scenario of If I invite them to two parties and they start asking me questions about why I chose to do that and why I did it the way I did it, like I'm in the fearful of confrontation stage right now, and so I'm thinking, let it's an open house for like four or five hours people will will show up I'll make it really clear please come either at the start or the end or in the middle don't worry about staying for the whole thing we really wanted a lot of flow a lot of people in and out for this one like feel free I think I would probably go with inviting everyone and just encouraging arrive when is convenient for you You're, I'll deal with it
0: <laughs> you are finding that middle ground where I was going with a, an ultimate suggestion okay, which is what that is it? are there people that you know a little better who who you could just say, could you come a little later? And you, 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 you
1: Wait a you, second! I was not headed that direction at all. What are you? Doing I, I'm doing? Talking but this is th- not a bad idea. This is interesting. Like I might call up you and say, okay, listen, I'm thinking that most yes. people are gonna show up at the beginning, two hours of the party, and then take off because it's like football in the afternoon or something like that. Do me a favor, record your football game. Can you and Pooj come a little bit like later and be some of the second second part of the party?
0: Absolutely. That would be part of the strategy. The people you know really well sort of spread that word of mouth that you're hoping people come and go all afternoon – and the second part of that strategy is really set the party up open house style. So
1: this is like sneakily invite people in two groups but don't make it a separate
0: invitation. I wasn't thinking of it as sneaky. I was thinking no, of totally it... I totally teasing you. The way that you said it I liked of the, the really encourage your guests to come and go to, to, to take advantage of the big window of time but not feel like they're obligated to stay for the whole time. Dance like
1: And then really encourage him by telling your brother to come at a specific time.
0: Let people know that there will be food throughout the afternoon, like that it's that. not like a certain time when yeah. the pizzas will all come out of the oven or the but barbecue the will finished, be on or whatever it is yeah. that's – and that's what I meant by the, the host it, very open house style mm-hmm. so that if you did have that big window and you had a real rush at some point, if – everybody interpreted that as we show up an hour after the invitation time to stay for an hour and you end up with the second hour of your party being all 50 people (laughs) you could navigate that and survive it
1: lucy we hope that this helps let us know how this party goes at this point dan and i are probably going to show up on your doorstep
2: this is one party that just has to turn out right well the purpose of a party is to have fun together And a successful party needs planning and skill.
0: Thank you for your questions. Please do keep them coming. You can send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette in your post so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show.
1: Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And this week, we heard from Lori, who had a suggestion for the coffee conundrum.
0: Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I stumbled across your show after hearing you on Safe for Work. I just love how you and Dan deconstruct problems into manageable bite-sized pieces. It's a joy to listen to your wisdom. Here's a thought that may not work in every coffee conundrum, but works for me. Sometimes I ask my hubby to pick up coffee for me while he's running errands. I go online to the coffee shop app, order my drink and food, and here's the kicker. Pay for my coffee and food at the same time. Then all he has to do is run in and grab the drinks and food. This may help your listener be able to pick up the group coffees without becoming the bank of coffee achievers. Just a thought. Best, Lori.
1: I love it. And we also heard from Joe about episode 213. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I've been listening to your podcast for almost a year and really appreciate all the topics you've covered. I often relay what I have learned to my family when various etiquette topics arise and have encouraged them to listen to your podcast. I was listening to episode 213 and was caught off guard by your discussion of responding no problem to a thank you. I've responded this way many times but did not understand at all all how this could be taken in a negative manner. You both made good points on this, and now I have started responding, you're welcome. I am sure this response sounds good to the person who thanked me, and surprisingly, it actually makes me feel better responding this way, knowing that I am leaving them with a positive feeling. Thanks for the enlightenment on this subject. Take care, Joe.
0: Joe, you just put a smile on my face. Mind you... I am sure that your no problem was well received when you delivered it, but it is so nice to have that you're welcome in your toolbox as well. And I'm glad that it makes you feel good saying it because that is also a big part of it.
1: Makes us feel good to hear it. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please, please, please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
0: It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's postscript is our final visit, our concluding chapter, with Jen Dahl's New York Times article, Be Better at Parties. And appropriately, this is about the exit. Yes. Or, (laughs) as Jen Dahl says in her very well-written piece, which I encourage you to go read yourselves, we'll post the link on social media now's the time to stick the landing. Ah! (laughs) You've had a great time. You've enjoyed yourself. You've made a good impression. You've made a new friend. You've picked up a contact, someone you're going to follow up with. Or you just
1: got through it, right? (laughs) Or you just got
0: through it with a smile on your face. Now it's time to depart. What is the biggest mistake that people make when they're leaving a party? They forget the most fundamental etiquette rule, which is thank your host. Yeah. Find your host. Thank them. Don't just disappear. It can feel like it's being less of a burden. Maybe you're leaving a little early and you don't want to draw too much attention to yourself or your departure. You don't want to make that the center of attention. That's a good thought to keep in your mind. But you want to let your host know that you appreciated them having you. You appreciate the invitation. You appreciate the effort that they made. And it doesn't need to be a big deal. In fact, it shouldn't be a grand entrance. It shouldn't be distracting to the other party goers or guests. But it is an important part of leaving well. There are a lot of excuses, a lot of reasons to ghost a party and to disappear. You want to silence that little voice, be your best self, Find your host. Thank them so much. I
1: love that you say they're little excuses or reasons. I'm like going, or they're things you tell yourself to make you feel better about it. Like <laughs> It's like there there really aren't any reasons to go to party. I mean, there are very, very few actual reasons to go to party. So I love that advice of make sure you tell your host. I think on Dinner Party Download, we got this question as, could you just leave a post-it on the refrigerator? And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs>
0: It also gives your host that important opportunity to thank you for coming because there is this little reciprocal host-guest dance, and human attention is a gift. You made an effort. You got there. You did the thing. You played well. Give them a chance to say thank you so much for coming. It was really nice to see you. Can't wait to do it again sometime or – I love it. Whatever it is they're going to say to guests as they leave. Other things to think about. If you have made new contacts at a party, this is also a great time to – make a little note in your phone, or to keep track of that card if we're talking mix and mingle business, and to follow up with people. It's never about idea to follow up with a host a day or two later to say thank you so much for having me. That was a really great time.
1: I actually wrote a wrote a thank you note to my host for the citizenship party the other week. It had been too long. I feel that. But I was like, you know, it was my first time going to Julia's house. I'm going to write her her and her husband a note. And it was just thank you so much. What a great party. You know, your child was adorable staying up with us all night. The cake was phenomenal. I had such a great time. Hope we can do it again.
0: Etiquette Gold Stars, Lizzie Boast. I'm so impressed. (laughs) That follow-up note is a really great way to draw out that good feeling Mm -hmm. that you get from a party where the party was great or just you felt like you really hit it or your host did it or you met someone you were curious about. It also helps defeat that feeling of letdown that can come at the end of a party that um, some people have a fear of missing out those Of you And I identify as one of you have sort of a tinge of social anxiety. It's hard to imagine what that feeling is like. But some (laughs) people really don't want to leave the party. It can be a tough moment. You want to hold on to it. And it's a great way to attenuate or extend that good feeling. And you also don't want to overstay your welcome. You don't want to let that feeling of I don't want this to end or I'm having such a great time to push you into that other mistake that people sometimes make, which is wearing out they're welcome. Yeah. So when the party's over, when your host starts to give you cues that it's over, when you've reached the end of the window that was identified as the time for the party on the invitation, you also want to make your exit appropriately. Final thought, and this isn't likely to apply, but if you have messed up terribly.
1: What what do you wait, what do you mean messed up terribly? I'm... What could what could I have done?
0: I'm thinking of a number of possibilities, anything from causing damage um, to property or to social relationships. Do we
1: notice how I just personally assume that I'm somehow going to fail at the party and I've messed up? And my response was, Dan, how am I going to mess up?
0: You can always circle back and apologize.
1: Ah, this is true. I am so sorry about spilling that red wine on the carpet. Oh, my gosh. If If there's any way I can help towards the cleaning bill, let me
0: know. It's a really nice thought. It's not an obligation, but it's an opportunity to build and grow relationships. Just because something went wrong doesn't mean that you have to handle it badly.
1: Okay, so here's one. A lot of us get asked to bring things to parties. Is now the time where I asked to bring my pretty plate I brought it on back with me? Do I say, hey, would you like me to take the cake plate home? Or, you know, do you want to keep it for a few days until everyone's had a shot at some leftovers? I'm like, how do you do that? Is it the host who needs to be saying that to me as I go up to... I mean, I think best case scenario, your guest comes up to you to say goodbye and you say, oh, let's make sure that you go home with your platter tonight and then removes the cake, puts it away somewhere else or, you know, divvies it up somehow and then sends you home with your, your cake plate or something like that. Yeah. Or do you wait? Like, what do you do there?
0: I think a certain amount of situational awareness is important. Smart idea. If dinner is over and there's a certain amount of cleanup that's going on in the kitchen, you might really save your host. Some trouble if you offer to dry for a minute and then take home that casserole dish. If you're making that slightly earlier exit and people are still enjoying coffee and sitting around the table, you might not want to get someone up and drag them back into the kitchen (laughs) to help you find the casserole dish that still got a lot of baked in lasagna. It has certainly been a pleasure and a joy to work our way through Jendall's excellent piece, and we hope that you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And I can't encourage you enough. Take a look. Find that link on our social media profiles. That's Facebook or Twitter. And tell us what you think.
1: And party on! We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing in the world. And we need more of your salutes. Please keep them coming. They can come in so many forms. And today, we have a
2: salute from Sarah to her friend, Ben. Hi, Emily. Oh, shoot. I said Emily. Sorry about that. (laughs) Hi, Lucy and Dan. Uh, I have a salute for my friend, Ben. Ben is the person who introduced me to your lovely podcast, and we bond a little bit about uh, how we can be more polite and kind to the people in our lives. And I just want to salute Ben because he is an amazing friend and an awesome next-door neighbor. He is unfailingly kind and considerate. He frequently uh, cuts our lawn or makes us food and is an awesome person and friend I also wanna commend Ben for something that happened recently in our lives. Uh, we had an unfortunate loss of a family member, and uh, after I got the news, Ben was the first person I called. He immediately dropped everything, left work, and came home to sit with me and my husband. He and his wife brought us food and just spent time with us in the aftermath of that. They are really wonderful friends, and I think that Ben really, is the impersonation of the modern gentleman in the sense of the qualities that you talk about on your show. Thanks so much and keep it up. I really love listening.
1: Sarah, what a wonderful salute. Oh my gosh, what a great friend to have. That's like, oh, I just, I love it. I love it.
2: And
0: I love the idea of a modern gentleman. Oh, yeah. I love the word gentleman. He's a gentle man. When you start to break it down and think about it, it's such a Sweet and powerful concept. Thank you for sharing.
1: And thank you to everyone who sent us something.
0: You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-5463.
1: On Twitter, I'm at lizzie A. Post. That's lizzie with an I-E.
0: And I'm at Daniel underscore post.
1: On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute.
0: Please consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member. You do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, but please consider leaving us a review.
1: Our show is edited by Chris Albertine, and our assistant producer is Bridget Dow. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris and Bridget.
0: Thanks, Bridget.